Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Inside Business Irish Times podcast presented by myself, Tom Lyons. In studio are my colleagues from the business team, Laura Slattery and Barry O'Halloran. Uh, Barry, we'll go to you first. You've been down at the IBEC uh, CEO conference talking to all the big beasts of business. What are the big stories and the, the most interesting things you heard down there? Well, one of the more significant, I, I, I'm not sure how, how interesting this is in itself, but one of the more significant things is that there seems to be an attempt underway to, to resurrect social partnership by the back door. You might remember social partnership, Tom. It was um, the, what, this thing that, that helped to create the Irish economic miracle and some would say then played a, a very big role in almost in, in subsequently derailing it. Basically what social partnership involved was the unions, employers and government sitting down and agreeing a package of tax cuts and wage restraint in return for industrial peace uh, and stability. And um, Danny McCoy, the head of IBEC, who's himself an economist, was today, today re-emphasised something he'd said earlier this week, which is he would like to see income tax cut because, he says, this will help to take pressure off employers who are facing possible wage increase demands from their workforce, something he doesn't really believe is a good thing at a particularly pivotal point in the Irish economic recovery. What he's saying, essentially, and what he said to me after the conference was, well, there should be some some sort of a forum, but don't call it, you know, it wouldn't be called social partnership. It, it would really just help to establish what everybody, you know, where everybody stands in all of this. And um, at the same time, the Taoiseach in his speech said that he does not uh, foresee a return to centralised bargaining currently. Now, centralised bargaining was basically social partnership. The Taoiseach has effectively ruled that out for the moment. But uh, IBEX seems to be very keen on bringing it in. And Barry, the other person you were talking to down there was Richie Boucher, the chief executive of Bank of Ireland. Uh, He had a couple of things to say. Well, Richie Boucher, um, and for the record, I wasn't talking directly to him, but I listened very carefully to his speech and he took part in a panel discussion and Q&A afterwards. And uh, what, what Boucher, first of all, said that Ireland needs more banks. We need more than we need more than two banks. And uh, he compared us with the likes of New Zealand, I think uh, Austria, Holland, one or two other kind of smallish uh, Western economies and pointed out that they tend to have three or four banks. Ireland needs more. He said what happened in the past was essentially, look, there, there were too many banks and they were competing too aggressively. Um, but too few banks isn't a good thing either. Uh, one of the other points he made, and this will probably, um, this will pique interest as well, I think very much, is that the bank is going to make 250 million available um, this year for 
uh, investment in construction and development activities. That was his, those were his phrase. Now, construction, we all know, is... Um, we, we know that, that there is a lag in construction. We know that, that um, there are infrastructure developments that, that need to be funded. We know that there are, there are pressure points in the housing market, particularly in Dublin, that's cre- artificially forcing up prices, if you like. And he, he seems to be pointing some of this cash at that. But the development element of, of his statement um, kind of caught me unawares. I, I wasn't entirely sure what he meant by it. Um, and I'm assuming he, he's not sort of harking back to uh, the, the habit of funding property development willy-nilly. And what was the reaction among the bosses to Richie Boucher? You know, he's somebody who can he can be criticised by politicians, but were the CEOs very welcoming of him? Did they yeah, give him a cheer? I th- yeah, he got a cheer. I think he, what, what he had to say generally went down very well. Now, he was talking about, um, you know, he was talking pretty much about the bank giving money to everybody. I think the figure was... Um, 30 billion over five years that's ultimately what the bank is, is intending to target so everybody's getting a piece of this infrastructure construction SMEs I'm sure it was um, like I'm sure they were all del- I'm sure the audience was delighted to be hearing the Bank, bank of Ireland was going to be throwing around like quite large sums of money <laughs> over the next five years Did it feel different like was there a sense more of hope or what was the, the atmosphere like? Yeah I, I actually think that the atmosphere was very upbeat in a sense I think it's too upbeat I think there's a slight that you know corporate Ireland is getting slightly complacent about itself um, all of a sudden um, or maybe not all of a sudden but there, there is a sense that okay you know there's a sense that we maybe through the worst of this Danny McCoy himself said that he kind of compares our situation now to the Republic as it was in 1992, which was sort of immediately before the real Celtic Tiger, where, you know, productivity and um, competitiveness made us, you know, a, a, a haven, if you like, for, for multinational investment. Uh, and he's, he's saying that we, we've kind of reached that point or, or that that. The, you know that kind of turning point, if you like, or that crossroads, and you know if we, if we manage this, the pre-boom, and if we manage this right, we'll we'll repeat the act. Um, there was a lot of, I mean, there was kind of a lot of guff talked as well about, you know, um, I suppose it's in the sort of the realm of corporate social responsibility, that this sort of stuff about, you know, the public trusting business and all the rest of it, and there was a lot of soul searching about that, and um, the tax issue also raised its head, particularly Ireland's. I mean, there are obvious concerns around Ireland's tax competitiveness that, that that's going to come under threat, the, not so much because of the rate, but because of the way that you can structure things here. And uh, Fergal O'Rourke from um, PricewaterhouseCoopers had a lot to say on that subject. He was one of the speakers. In a panel subsequent to that, subsequent to his speech, he said that business that um, the, that business should should take the initiative and become trans that it's up to business to be transparent about its tax strategy so i i kind of felt that's that's slightly strange one because really it's up to the legislature to tell business how it should be transparent about how it pays its tax and i I don't think that business should really be taking the initiative there um what i would have thought the business should do is it should as far as possible comply with the tax law um while not beggaring itself in the interests of the state and I, i really think that's where that that issue should should begin and end and Laura, you specialise in media and marketing. Would that be the sense, uh, you know, when you're talking to executives who work in that sector, you know, that there's a sense that, you know, we're, we're getting into recovery and things are getting better? Yes. Um, well, I mean, advertising uh, revenues have really suffered over the last uh, five years. You know, they've, they've, they've plunged in excess of the, of the decline in, in GDP and, or, G, or GNP. Um, so there's a real feeling in the sector that, the, the, you know, it's due a bit of a bounce back this year and there are some signs. 
um, in, in, in some mediums that that's happening. All of the growth in recent years has been in digital, but um, the television sector would be looking for a little bit of a, uh, of a bounce this year. Um, even you might see a slight recovery in, in print advertising, even though the, the, um, the, uh, the shift will continue into digital. And Laura, you're writing this week in the Irish Times, you're writing about associated newspapers in Ireland and their launch of a new website called evoke.ie. That's right, uh, yes. Uh, can you tell me a little yeah. bit about the site? Um, evoke.ie, I mean, the site went live last week, um, but it's being formally launched this week with a little bit of a multimedia uh, ad campaign. And I've spoken this week to Paul Henderson, who's the uh, managing director of Associated Newspapers Ireland. Uh, which, as you know, it's owned by the uh, the British uh, media group, and um, you know he's 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 quite positive about the the the, the prospects for Evoke.ie, which is aimed at mostly women uh, readers, but it's been it's not being branded that way as such, and it you know covers showbiz, style, health, food, beauty, travel, anything that isn't uh, you know so called hard news. You know, there's there's not it's not going to it's this is deliberately not. Um, you know the Irish equivalent of of, of Mail, Mail Online, which which after all you know includes you know a lot of stories about David Cameron, alongside the traditional celebrity um, themed uh, sidebar of shame, as it's known. And Laura, did Paul Henderson give any indications to how this new site is going to make money or who's going to sponsor it? Or um, No, I mean, he says there's been a great initial reaction from advertisers. Um, so we'll see now the extent to... see. You, you'll, you'll see visibly, you know, how many sort of uh, brand takeovers are on the site over the next couple of weeks. You know, to what extent, you know, if, if, if the number of ads, the volume of ads, uh, you know, seems a bit intrusive to you as a reader, then you can probably... Uh, um, probably work out that they're making a good bit of money off it. But he, he said that he hasn't set any actual targets for it, for his uh, sales guys. And he's also hasn't set any targets for uh, the number of users that he thinks that evoke.ie will attract. But um, he obviously thinks there is a bit of a gap in the market, that, that they have all the resources. This is being... Um, uh, basically filled with content uh, written by uh, Irish Daily Mail uh, journalists. And, uh, you know, there's, 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 there's a high kind of crossover of, of content there. And Barry, is this a, a website you can imagine yourself tuning into for your, your celebrity fix? Oh, I'm quite sure I can, <laughs> to a certain level. I mean, I, I have to say I, I'm a little bit sceptical. I do, but I do know that the the Daily Mail site um, is something. You know, the, the the Daily Mail's original website or the, their website is is one that's particularly effective. And I have to say that it it does draw me in from time to time as well. I get sucked in. Whether Evoke is going to have the same impact on me remains to be seen. Well, it all kind of comes down to whether or not, you know, do people actually like that kind of slightly nasty sidebar of shame, uh, you know, of, of Mail Online, or do they they appreciate the, the, what uh, Paul calls the, the, the fluffy and huggable, you know, evoked, you know, which, which one do they prefer? Because there is a kind of an overlap between the markets, I would say. And do you think this is going to take people away from, say, some of the websites which have got quite a lot of this type of stuff, like independent.ie, you know, they have a big section which sounds quite similar to Evoke uh, yeah, they or have, the uh, journal.ie's um, uh, Daily have, Edge. Yeah, I mean, you know, independent.ie has Indoor Woman um, site, which is very uh, uh, celebrity uh, focused. And Daily Edge.ie is the kind of cultural um, arm of the journal.ie. And it, 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 it sort of, it's closer, I would say, to sort of, 
being kind of sort of a sort of witty, um, uh, slightly um, more cerebral uh, <laughs> um, version of of the sort of the popular culture, I guess. Uh, whereas um, you know, evoked i.e. is you know, there's a high there's a high fashion quotient there, and in, in it's treated in a way that's that's quite commercial in the sense that there's you know there's a new collection from a new Irish stylist or designer in in town that will be heavily promoted and and I think there's a view there um to sort of developing e-commerce uh connections with the site down the road Laura Slattery and uh, Barry O'Halloran thanks for coming on Inside Business uh coming up next we're going to be uh, talking to Donald Trump Jr., which is where business and celebrity meets, and he's going to be telling us about his plans for Dune Bay Golf Resort in County Clare. Well, American businessman Donald Trump this week bought the famous Dunbeg Lodge and Golf Club in County Clare for a reported 15 million euros. Joining us on the line to discuss this on the Irish Times Inside Business podcast is Mr. Trump's son, Donald Trump Jr., who is executive vice president at the Trump Organization. Don, this is a really exciting deal. Uh, can you t- tell us a little bit about how it came together? Well, thank you very much, Tom. Yeah, it, it really is exciting. It's, uh, it, it's something that's perhaps been a long time coming in that I, I went and saw the property along with about two dozen other types of properties and similar golf resorts and other hotels when I was looking in Ireland uh, about two years ago. And this was the last property on, again, a long list of places that I saw in sort of a whirlwind one-week tour. And after seeing this, I recall not only calling my father uh, from Dunbeg itself, but then getting back in New York and having the follow-up conversation of, you know, this is something that really is a Trump-type development. You know, just world-class, incredible facilities, great golf course, just, you know, amazing staff and people. Of, of the two dozen that we saw, this was really the only one that resonated to me as being, you know, incredible. And we're just very excited. It was a sort of a quick process. We sort of got involved, let's call it, uh, Saturday of last week. Uh, and uh, about um, midnight our time, uh, 5 o'clock in the morning in uh, Ireland on I guess Friday night uh, here, Saturday morning in Ireland, uh, we came to definitive documents uh, and went hard on the deal. It was done in about six days, uh, albeit uh, rather long and uh, sleepless days, uh, but we got up to speed in the process um, with the guys from East Hill and Ernest and Young, uh, you know, just put our heads down to it. And, you know, between my brother, myself, George Soriel, a couple members of our team, we basically did nothing uh, but this. Uh, and in a quick amount of time, really got familiar with the asset and end up beating out a lot of, uh, you know, very substantial competition for the great asset. And how is it going to fit within the Trump International Golf Empire, which already has 15 other golf resorts? Well, again, I think it's going to be great. I think to have a place in Ireland on the coast, on the Atlantic, uh, just, you know, makes a lot of sense. I think that'll go great with uh, and, and really have a symbiotic relationship with our golf course in Scotland, uh, really complete the crown, uh, but for perhaps a, a course in mainland Europe. But I think to have Ireland and Scotland covered with such incredible assets uh, really uh, is just all we could hope for in golf. And really no one's doing what we're doing in golf, especially certainly not in the high end. You've probably read about what we've done with the, the you know, 
great course at Doral and the $250 million renovation we put into that to really bring that back to its former glory. So we've really been chasing after some of these trophy assets and are just incredibly excited about this one. And Don, uh, by most people's standards, Dunbeg, it's already pretty luxurious. Uh, do you think you're going to raise standards again and invest more money in the resort? I think you know, we can't help ourselves. I think we'll always, we'll always do that. But again, I think there are many courses that we buy that are seven or eight, and we put a lot of money in to make them incredible, make them 12s. Uh, there's other courses like Scotland where we just say, hey, we, we love that piece of land. It's so incredible. Um, you know, we can, we can start from the ground up. Here, and like we've done in certain other uh, instances, you already have something that's a 10. And so, you know, I, I think we can tweak it. I think we can, you know, make it a little, uh, we, we can add to it, of course. Um, but I really think the existing bones and the existing structures and the existing staff that are there have done a phenomenal job already. So, uh, you know, we're not looking to change anything in an earth-shattering, you know, way just yet. And what about the price, Don? I mean, it's a reported 15 million euros. Uh, that would barely get you an apartment in some parts of Manhattan, and yet you've got this incredible resort. Well, uh, in, in some of our places in Manhattan, it wouldn't get you an apartment. But, um, you know, listen, we're bound by confidentiality as it relates to the price. So, you know, that number is floating out there. Uh, not entirely accurate, but, yeah, we're, 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 we have... We're bound by confidentiality, so we're not going to talk about numbers. We can talk about everything else. But it's safe to say you did a good deal. Uh, listen, I, you know, again, we were competing against some people who have been looking at the asset for a very long time, some very substantial families, some that um, you know, we suspect and we know are, uh, certainly uh, could, could have certainly uh, put up uh, different numbers, but we're very pleased with the process. We're very pleased to be able to ramp up uh, to something so quickly uh, and come out on top in the asset, and I think we still... Uh, made a very good deal. And for the employees and the people of Clare, uh, do, do you think that you can increase the number of visitors going to the Doombeg Lodge and Golf Club and, you th- or, and bring them in maybe from different countries or pl- from places that, uh, uh, that haven't seen visitors, the visitor numbers coming from before? I think without question. I mean, if you look at where we're drawing people to our course in Scotland, if you're looking at uh, the things that we're able to do, you know, with our other places as resorts, not just as golf, but uh, when you look at the hotel at Dunebeg and you look at the amenities package there, and, uh, you know, we, we can really turn this into a resort, not just a golf resort. We can turn it into an international place where people from all over the world are going to come. And I think, you know, that was one of the places that we saw when we started getting into the numbers was saying, you know, hey, I think, you know, they're grossly underperforming in terms of occupancy and these kind of things. And I think those are numbers that we can really help drive. Um, if you look at sort of just the press that's come out in the you know, six hours since we've officially announced, uh, it, it's sort of amazing. And I think you see a lot of the Trump factor. So I think for the people of Claire, uh, I think for the people of Dunebeg and for the employees there, I, I think everyone that we've spoken to uh, is really relieved because, uh, a lot of the stress of not knowing what's going to go on with this asset, not knowing if they're going to be around uh, the next day, um, is probably really been alleviated because, again, we're a company that has a proven track record of success. We're the, a company that has uh, incredible hotel division as well uh, that can really boost a lot of these things, you know, to, to say nothing for what we've accomplished in the last few years uh, in the golf world. So I think this is an asset we can really turn around. I think it's something that we can make spectacular. Um, and improve on, you know, frankly, what's already been a, a great job from many respects. 
And Don, you know, in, in recent years, you know, Ireland is used to, you know, overseas investors taking their money out of the country. And now we see the Trumps putting some some of their money back in. What do yes. you think this is going to sort of message this is going to send internationally about the Irish economy? Well, I think it sends a very positive message. Obviously, you know, people understand that, you know, we're value investors. We look at things that have to be, you know, make sense. Uh, they have to be the right kind of deal. I, I think it speaks volumes for Ireland. And uh, I, I think you can say that it's back. Again, I, I was looking and extensively looked at assets two years ago and couldn't necessarily make them work in my head, which is why we perhaps didn't go forward on a few opportunities then. Um, you know, now I think, you know, it, it says you're coming out of that lull. Uh, and again, we've been shown other deals in the market. It's something this isn't going to be a one-off venture. Uh, we do only look at and tend to look at only the high end. So we're a little bit limited there, but we look forward to hopefully... Uh, this being the first of many great deals in the marketplace. And Don, your family is also famous for casinos and gambling. Uh, at the moment, we've got very strict rules here in Ireland in relation to that, but there's some talk of easing them up a little bit. If they were eased up, is that another business you might go into in Ireland? Or you know, Again, we're one of the few real estate companies that sort of uh, not only dabbles, but thrives in across many different sectors. Most real estate companies, they specialize in a resort or they specialize in hotels. They specialize in residential or condominium or whatever it may be. Uh, we have an incredible award-winning hotel company. We're some of the highest and you know, best sales prices ever in residential history. Uh, we do resorts and golf incredibly well. We have some of the highest retail anywhere in the world. So um, you know, I guess that means we could look at and probably do very well with anything. So uh, we'd be very happy to see what's out there and continue looking. And uh, finally, Don, uh, you know, you're, you're now the owners of the Dunbeg Lodge and Golf Club. Uh, when can uh, we expect to see yourself and your father, the Donald, h- here in Ireland? Well, I know he'll be over soon. I, I get on a plane in about a few hours, uh, so I'll be there first thing tomorrow with my brother and some of our teams, just, again, getting to meet the staff and the locals, um, and you know, just get everything rolling. And we really look forward to opening up this season and uh, having a great one at that and you know, trying to, again, boost the numbers, as we've said we're going to do. Well, we look forward to greeting you. Uh, look, uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. talking to the Irish Times Inside Business podcast on their acquisition of the Dunbeg Lodge and Golf Club in County Clare. Thank you very much, Tom. I appreciate it. And that's it for this week's Inside Business podcast presented by Tom Lyons. The show was produced by Sinead O'Shea and its sound engineer was Rob O'Sullivan. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.